And if you are an ape with a symbiotic relationship to a mushroom, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe, that is Dan, that is Jeff, it's New Metal May, gentlemen. In honor of the Roach Coach podcast, we are doing New Metal May. And who are we talking about tonight? <laughs> tonight we are talking about Mudvayne. I oh, thought they'd be a good band shit. to kick this off with. So for all you people that enjoyed the Slipknot episode a couple weeks ago, get ready for the sequel. At least that's how my memory is. There was Azalee dying in there somewhere. Yeah. A Giganta episode on Azalee dying. Well, you know, there was that weird time where everybody thought Slipknot and Mudvayne were the same band, and they were clearly wrong. Right. One band wore more makeup, and the other one wore wore masks. masks and makeup. And then there was that other band that wore masks and makeup. But we're not talking about them tonight. Kiss? (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> Mushroom head for anybody oh, that's uh, oh, keeping track. Oh, okay. Yeah, guys, Mudvayne. One of my favorite bands to listen to the way I remember them sounding because what they eventually did was not very enjoyable and then got good again and then they are no more. Talk about your late 90s, early 2000s. We're not Tool, but we use their polyrhythms. Because this band is very polyrhythmic. They're very heavy at times. They're industrial at times. They wear the face paint. They have personas that they themselves do not embrace album to album. Because it's not about that. It's about the music first. And the best bass player in all of metal music. Amen to that. Unless you're between the buried and me. So, Mudvayne is a band I heard probably around 2002. They were described to me as, quote, math metal. However, I don't think that the, what they were doing was necessarily what you would consider math metal because I'm not entirely certain what math metal is supposed to mean. Does anybody have any? I mean, I, I hear the polyrhythmic drumming and, and, and all that, but I, I don't. I'm not sure what math metal means. So do you know what Tool does from a technical standpoint? Yes. Basically that, only... Metal. Okay, so but it's more, <laughs> but it's more like new metal, right? Because like, I mean, that funky bass, as good and as good as it is, well, it's it's still a very primary. That's one of the jazz influences, of new metal. though. Is it? Are we gonna chalk everything up to jazz? We are. Twelve guys playing in a room, and it all sounds like shit. Well, is that is that what we're for someone that listens to lyrics as much as you do? I understand if you don't understand good musicianship. Oh, I got it. Okay. Shots fired on discography discussion tonight. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I can't get it out of my head, and that's Quato from Monolith. The, the sample. Yeah. From Total Recall. Quato. Open your mind. Open your mind. God, that's like the best part of the of that movie. Yeah, and that's really what you had to do with this band. Yeah, you had to open your mind. I mean, I think it's a very appropriate opening. Even though they themselves would tell you that that's not what you should be doing. See, Mudvayne had that. I'm gonna say stupid gimmick where. They started off being artistic, but it was about the music and then the art. But then they didn't want you to pay attention to the art. They wanted you to pay attention to the music. They failed in their presentation where Tool theoretically has succeeded. Where for years, nobody knew who the members were or what they looked like, except for Maynard. 
Mudvayne created these personas and these looks and then would throw them out and be annoyed that you were still stuck on them like it was a thing. Yeah, that just sounds more like drama queen behavior to me. Uh, I don't want to be. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Oh, so let's God, go. don't bring that shit up right <laughs> now, Joe. No, no. We, we got, there's actually some good shit that happens before that. There is. But before we get to all that, let's uh, let's talk about some things. Well, before we get into things that are happening in New Metal May... I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything discography discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, so if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion, and whenever we get one, we like to read them. Would you guys like to hear our latest five-star review from Facebook.com? Tell us all about it, Dan. All righty. Well, we got a review from Patrick who says... One of my favorite podcasts at the moment, long episodes filled with eye-opening discussions about some of my all-time favorite bands. Five stars. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you so Yay. much. We appreciate you all the way from Finland. Yeah, I thought you'd appreciate that, Jeff. Yeah. Actually, it makes me think uh, there was a uh, there's a YouTuber I, I'm a big fan of from Finland. We'll go back to the Slipknot episode on that. Oh, okay. It, it, the YouTube channel is called Finnawa. So if you guys like metal, that dude's got some sick covers. That guy's crazy, crazy, crazy talented. Well, Patrick, thank you very much for the review, man. Uh, keep yeah. them coming. You can leave us reviews on Facebook.com slash Discography Discussion or on Apple Podcasts, whichever is easier for you. So we got some listener feedback. We do? Absolutely. Fantastic. We got a tweet from Buddy Hershey in regards to episode 59, Opeth hyped. Opeth is some God-tier metal. Well, I mean, I guess that depends on which god you pray to. Oh, I can agree with that. I just wish I was here for it, but unfortunately I had to like take my kids on it's, vacation. It's not unfortunate. You're on vacation living the life. I tell you, man, out of all the episodes for me to miss, though, that one was really tough to take because that's one of my all-time favorite bands. All right, Jeff, you have the next 30 seconds. Tell us what you think about Opeth. Go. Uh, I think you just summed it up. They're like god-tier metal. I think that's very appropriate. I, I love the fact that they progressed and they went from, you know, something that was really heavy but yet technical into, uh, no, they just explored, they, they, they branched out, they, uh, they kind of went on the same path of another band that I love, which Dan knows I'm going to mention the name again, is Catatonia. Uh, I, can't, I can't say one name without saying the other, so they're just an amazing band. Everybody should listen to them. It, I would say if it's not God-tier metal, it's enlightened metal. That'd be another good one for it. I like that. Enlightened metal. Yeah, it's fantastic. So if you haven't checked out that episode, you should. Mike, who kind of sat in for me, is a fucking genius. I, I love that band, but Mike's like a straight-up walking encyclopedia. So that dude is crazy, crazy smart. In regards to episode 60, Corn Revisited with Lauren Kozlowski of the Roach Coach podcast. AC, Alt1 on Twitter. An unexpected welcome surprise. This episode had all the good stuff. Plenty of issues praise. Joe totally disregarding Path of Totality. Rightfully so. Wrong. And figuring <laughs> out where we all dropped out of Corn. 
Looking forward to New Metal May? Welcome to New Metal May, AC. Too bad you couldn't squeeze in Static X. Ooh, Dan? Yeah, Yeah, which I said, uh, well, it's entirely possible that Static X could be squeezed into Industrial December. That's true. They kind of can hit two niches, so I mean, I... I, Yeah, I think so. Did you guys notice that all of a sudden I was missing from another corn episode? What's going to be a running theme now, Jeff? Anytime we talk about corn, you have to, you know, go in the hole. You got to walk out of the room. Yeah, I have to walk out of the room because I'm the only one here willing to defend Path Totality would be my guess, at least in this room. Well... I I heard Lauren did a halfway decent job. Oh, he didn't really defend it. But at least made... Joe talk about it, which is better than what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> Entirely possible. Hey, Jeff, do you know what this means? Get out of my house! Well, we got a comment on <laughs> Facebook, actually, about uh, about the path of totality. Jason Andrew Goodman commented, this is actually on Roach Coach's Facebook page because they shared it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. He says, so speaking of someone whose exposure to electronic music includes Nine Inch Nails, Ulver, and movie trailers, if you haven't had a ton of exposure to dubstep, that Fusion album was an interesting palate cleanser for the band. Granted, I've only ever listened to it once or twice, so maybe killing it with weak praise, but the discussion around it was awfully harsh. <laughs> yeah. I that, aim to please. And that's because I wasn't <laughs> here. I'm telling you, man, if I was there, it'd be a different story. I'm not saying it's like the best thing ever. And I don't even think they should, it should have even been a corn album. That was kind of my point. We it all sh- said should, that. All yeah. it needed to be was John Davis and Yes. Well, not just Skrillex. There's Excision. There's a, a couple other people. The Excision's way better than Skrillex. So. We got a tweet from Lesser of Two Equals. Yay! Corn Step! <laughs> as bad as the album is, I can kind of remember brief snippets of moments from it. I can't remember anything at all from Untitled, even right after hearing it. And I would say, number one, thank you for the tweet. Number two, Untitled, depending on how you receive it, will call you back to listen to it later. That's kind of why I think it's a sleeper hit. It's not pop music or follow the leader where, oh yeah, I remember listening to Got the Life and it's time to listen to Got the Life again. You look at Untitled and say, yeah, I think I want to listen to this again today. And then you get to enjoy it kind of over and over again. It's not great. But for what it does, it is kind of a sleeper hit. It does call you back. Well, if it calls you back, that's why you should probably screen your phone calls, because I'm not picking up. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Patrick on Facebook commented, one reason I think that Serenity is Suffering is so good is because the band were doing full tours before making that album, just playing their first album from front to back. I think that that inspired the spirit and feel of the Serenity of Suffering. Glad to hear the love for Let's Get This Party Started. Also one of my all-time favorites. And I have to say, I agree 100% on that. I think that the band definitely had some new blood. And, uh, you know, like maybe not new blood as in new members, but just kind of just this this aura of refreshment of a restart with that record. Because it really does capture what Korn was always about in their glory days. And, you know, that album was really just a testament that a band like that can still do it. They can still knock it out. So, Dan... Tell me about Mudvayne. Oh, man. Mudvayne is a math metal band, if you want to call them that. I'm going to call them a new metal band because it's new metal May, so we're just going to stick with that. Well, they're both. It, it depends on what time frame you're listening them in. Absolutely. I'm still not going to give math metal credit as being an actual genre, but, uh, you know, we'll go, we'll go with that for now, I guess. But uh, Mudvayne is from Peoria, Illinois. 
They are relatively, I mean, they were relatively local to us. Just far enough away where it would have been an hour plus drive to get to them to see a show. And I wish I would have. Yeah, same here. Unfortunately, it's an example of one of those bands you didn't know about until they became big. Right. They played kind of a combination of like groove metal, new metal, tech, I'll say technical. I'll say technical metal. I think that's a better descriptor than math metal. Yeah, especially <laughs> early on. I mean, they were really... They were. It's actually kind of weird because I felt like the difference between... And we're not going to get too much into their demo, Kill Iota. But uh, I definitely, after listening to that, I definitely feel like they actually got more technical when they got to LD50. Oh, it's agreed. No no question. Yeah, Kill Iota kind of established kind of how the band sounds. But it actually does sound a little different than what I was expecting because I'd heard all the Mudvayne albums before I listened to the first EP or demo or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it was, and, it was re-released after LD50. Yeah, so it was released as the beginning of all things to end. Right. Yeah, and it was uh, a little weird. It's it's. I, I was just telling somebody the other day that it hard to believe that it's the same band that put out LD50 because they're almost not even on the same level from a technical perspective. Yeah, there's a few years in there. I mean, that's a lot of time to own your craft, so I understand. Absolutely. Aspects of the band, from a music standpoint... You get the impression that it was a late 90s group of guys that were technically sufficient, but were trying to do something different. Yeah, so when LG50 dropped, I mean, I couldn't believe how technical the band had become. I mean, hearing songs like Dig, just how crazy that song is anyway, and that was released as a single, it's pretty crazy to me that like that they achieved as much of an instant success as they did because that song is really i mean if you don't have any context this doesn't really sound like the new metal that was coming out at the time because it's not new metal (laughs) (laughs) yes we'll we'll diverge on that a little bit but uh i think that it was still new metal i will fight that one tooth and nail you can fight it all you want but i mean what else are you gonna call it jeff metalcore i just like heavy metal it's not technical death metal it's Mudvayne. Yeah, it, they were. They were. I think they, they alternative got alternative metal. I. I. Okay. I will give you that. I think because they were so hard to lump in with on LD50 into a, a specific genre, and I really think you have Ryan Martini to thank for that. I mean, he just kind of totally threw a monkey wrench in it. That dude is such a a fucking machine. He. I think if you take Ryan Martini out of the equation, it's much easier to classify them as, you know, you're just a regular run-of-mill, you know, metal slash new metal band. And I'm with you on that. I don't know how to classify Ryan Martini. Jazz? He is most definitely a jazz bass player, but he's a metal guy. Right. The story back in the day was, or at least the joke was, he sits down and figures out every note he can play for every note in the song and then makes it as interesting and complicated as possible. And when I listen to him, I think this is the only person other than Lemmy who, when you listen to the record, you kind of start to forget which instrument is the guitar and which instrument is the bass because they kind of cheat into each other. And yeah, if you're focusing and you pay attention, you're like, well, yeah, the guitar is actually not doing any of that technical awesomeness but then you start to kind of forget that it's a one guitar, one bass band, because you know this was the late 90s, early 2000s. 
Yeah, and I think the other thing that you really got to give Ryan a shit ton of props on, he does all of this without effects. There's no effects in his shit at all. And that's astonishing when you consider all the noise that that dude makes. He made it his point on LD50 to to actually create all of that noise, you know, organically in, in, in an analog fashion. He didn't have to hook anything up. That's just him being a fucking madman, and, and, which is weird. I've like, seen him live. He's a fucking madman. I, I'm normally not one to, you know, get hung up on a particular member of a band, but if you guys go back and listen to the, uh, the new metal episode we did with uh, Josh Toomey, I kind of did the same thing then. I got super excited about talking about Ryan Martini, and the reason for that is he's my—he's probably my favorite bass player of all time. I—I I, I think he's just obscenely talented, and as time goes on, you know, we'll talk about it. The, what happens to him in this band is just—it's—it's it's disgusting on how muted he becomes as time goes on. For the vocal side of it, and this is where I get the new metal comparison the most, is in Chad Gray's vocals. Dude's got a cool voice. Chad has an amazing voice. Guy can go from intense screams and growls, and and he's really kind of the best of the bunch as far as you know screamers went in that style of music in the in the late nineties, early two thousands. He is absolutely a roaring monster. He when is. he needs to be. We talked about it on Slipknot. Corey Taylor's in a realm all his own, but I think Chad kind of stands with him in the same area. It's just where Corey Taylor does more rock, metal, other genres. Chad, to this day, I mean, he is currently the vocalist of Hell Yeah, so it's still metal all the time. Yeah, I think the big difference is that Chad's clean vocals kind of suck. To be truthful with you, I agree. Whereas they're Co- atonal. Yeah, where Corey, as time went on, really developed a fantastic clean vocal voice. I disagree with what you said about his clean singing, because I think his clean singing sounds really fucking good on LD50. Okay, I'll give you that. Agreed. Because I mean, it's really. I mean, because. What we're going to talk about later on in the band's career is going to be more representative of the whole band, more so than just one member. Whereas with LD50, I mean, I was blown away the first time I heard Death Blooms, and he just went off the scale for me as far as, you know, having that aggressive vocal like we had on Dig. But when I heard Death Blooms, just that chorus he goes into. It's really mind-blowing, and I think his voice just sounds cool. I like the inflections that he uses. I like the way he sings. Uh, on the song Nothing to Gain, I mean, he that that's one of my favorite vocal performances by him, and I think that he sounds really good here, and that's, that's, that's where I get a little bit of the new metal vibe from the band is from the alternation of heavy and clean vocals. I think that, I think that played a major part in Mudvayne's sound. Yeah, I think the staccato that he does with a lot of the, the vocals at times, too. Yeah, oh yeah. to that as well. But you're right. He's got a really, like, um, kind of nasally clean A little scene. bit, and that's where I get the new metal from. Yeah, and it, it's it's not... Um, I don't think... It's like he doesn't make it the focal point on LD50. 
it's like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a compliment. It has its purpose. It has its point. And I think that's why it fits later on. It's like, it's the, I tried too hard and it, and it fails. And for that reason, Mudvayne is one of those bands that succeeds in presenting the band. It doesn't turn into one guy predominantly stealing the spotlight or being given the spotlight vicariously through public eye. Mudvayne was always about Mudvayne, for better or for worse. And when I listen to LD50, my mind wavers between the different instruments. I start listening to the drums and I hear something really cool and then I hear something on the corner and oh, that's the guitar and I shift over here. And then we talked about Ryan already you fall into a bass part that is seemingly random and out of control but on a scale of Cliff Burton to Les Claypool Ryan Martini is on both sides of the line because he goes places that normal bass players in metal and hard rock do not go and yet he finds a way there and he makes it fit that's what's so cool about it that's right well, and the cool thing about LD50 is that it's a really complete product. It goes on for a really long time. It's one of the longest albums that we've reviewed. And besides that bullshit from Swallow the Sun. <laughs> but, uh, I love Swallow the Sun. But this is like a this is like a straight up like 72 minute deal, isn't it, Joe? Like it's something like pretty that. Long. In, in a day where we were all kind of focusing on the capabilities of CDs and their capacity, we all knew what was the magic number, Dan? 80 minutes. 80 you, minutes. You could do an hour and 20 minutes on a disc, and this one clocked in right around an hour and hour 12 and eight, minutes. Hour yeah. and eight minutes. Wow. Yeah, it's yep. a long record. And it suffers from, or suffers is a bad word, but it's the early 2000s interludes. There's that uh, DJ-like industrial thing that's cut up, which if you have a copy of The Beginning of All Things to End, or were around long enough to know better than the rest of us that got this in the mainstream, you'd know that somebody who was a fan of theirs created this kind of remix thing, kind of in the idea or the same vein as Slipknot or another band, Mushroomhead, for them to use at their shows, and they liked it so much that they cut it up, and then the name of that song was LD50, and that became the name of this record. But it doesn't really take you out of it, it, it kind of has the same lasting impact on your mind as all the interludes that Korn did early in their career. Yeah, they're out of place. They make no sense. They're in between the singles for the sake of existing, but they give you a chance to take a breath, which a lot of artists are afraid to do today. I disagree. I think that the interludes on this record are very intentional. Really? Because they're, I, it flows really well for me and chunks the album up a little bit with different themes and ideas. And, and I just, I, I love hearing them. I love hearing the voices talk. I like the part where the guy's all like, we are humans with a symbiotic relationship to a mushroom. And You're getting the enjoy incubus effect, aren't you, awareness <laughs> and, well, I like listening to that shit. I don't, and I don't know why, but it's just, it sounds really cool. Um, they talk a lot about like human evolution and the evolution of consciousness. Yep, Dan has checked into incubus territory. And, and I think that that stuff is really cool. I think the only weird issue with it is that, like, I, and I do agree a little bit, Joe, with it thematically. I don't know if it fits. I think Mudvayne on this record, if there's anything that we can say negatively about the record, is that there's a little bit of a conflict of themes. And I know I talk about a lot about this when we're talking about new metal bands or 
bands that are called new metal is that there seems to be a little bit of a contradiction in the way they present themselves. And Mudvayne's just kind of a weird one because like they'll they'll have very philosophical lyrics, really complicated lyrics. But then like there's all these new metal tropes of like, well, you've got to say fuck every 23 seconds or, or whatever. <laughs> so like you get a song like um you know, oh, fuck. I got to look at the song name. I don't remember what it's called. Better not fucking put interlude music on this. <laughs> I believe it's severed. He says, you know, I divorce the pain. I divorce iniquity in this motherfucking bullshit. And it's like he has these really complicated philosophical big words that he uses. But then it's like, yeah, and this motherfucking bullshit. And it's like, it, it seems very contradictory that the person that wrote the first half of the song may not be the person that wrote those lines. And like, I think it's weird. I think it's just kind of a weird thing that you have these kind of a little bit less intelligent ways of expressing themselves. I mean, this is one of the very first records where I've ever heard the, the words cocksucker, <laughs> like just thrown out there. Like, it's it's weird. He's you know I lost you. Oh my God, what do I do now? You were never there for me. And it's like that you got all that going on, and it's like personal and relatable or whatever. And then at one point he's just like fucking cocksuckers. Well, even the most intelligent like, people I mean, get angry at some point and lose their ability to come up with a fancy word. I know. It's just <laughs> it's jarring listening to that in 2018. I you try know, so hard, and, though, to listen to this with my year 2000 ears because, like, the drumming was different, legitimately different in this type of music. Specifically, most of the creativeness of the drumming is in the feet where his hands are very solid. The band as a whole, and I've, I've already said this, but I'll repeat it, they kind of create their own complexity by taking all these different ideas and shoving them together, and they fit. It does. And I love LD50 for that because it really does stand alone. If you told me this was the only album the band ever made, it, I would feel the same way about this that I feel about The Crash of 47. I want another album, please. But this wasn't the only album that we got. No, no but, but I can't leave it just yet. No, I can't either. <laughs> we got to spend most of our time on old E50 because I, I apologize. It's a masterpiece. It's just, we love it. And, you know, what I said about the lyrics aside, there's some really cool things in here. Like there's a song called Nothing to Gain, which is one of my favorite Ed songs. Gain. Oh, my God. And yeah, it's gain is in Ed gain, not gain is in financial gain. <laughs> and this is important because you have to, you know, and if you need to, before you hear nothing to gain, you at the very least need to read the Wikipedia page on Ed Gain. So fucked up. And that way, whenever he's talking about dancing and masturbating with skin on his face, you get a little bit of context as to what kind of story is being told here. Do I need to get your Mr. Spell can, can, out can for we, the remainder of this review? Oh, man. <laughs> can, you want to plug the uh, the podcast that we listen to on Ed Gain that's just... Oh, yeah, the last podcast on the left, left with uh, all about Ed Gain. Yeah, that was a good oh, one. Holy shit. Yeah, that's some pretty messed up stuff. And you know what's really messed up? It actually happened. I know. Yeah. That's so fucked it's up. It's a lot that's, scarier than anything you'll see in a movie. Dude, if you guys... 
if there if there's anybody out there that loves horror flicks but you want something that's even more fucked up something that, real and it's real it's definitely a, the last podcast on the left that that is a fucking awesome podcast if you're into this, the horror slash scary shit we'll put a link in the show notes just for you jeff uh, i we should because it's 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 a really good podcast I like the th- the whole thematic overtones of like the 2001 Space Odyssey. You know, they pulled a lot of you know influence from that. This is such a, a good album. I mean, it, everybody's got their favorites, but we got any like deep cuts that we really dig? Wow, dude, you see what you did there? <laughs> what I do? Are you sure dig isn't a deep cut? <laughs> dig is a deep, deep excavation, <laughs> but no, it's not though. Dig was the single. Yeah. So uh, no, dude, pharmacopoeia no, for me to gain was one of them too. Is one of their singles as well. Pretty nothing much any gain. song where he is actually singing is a deep cut on this record, and I don't dislike any of the interludes, but I can say if you took them all out and just gave me the songs. This is still an album of deep cuts. Uh, yeah, it is. I just wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. I think yeah, the, the, the interludes definitely are really cool that they're there. I think they served their purpose well. Absolutely. I, and, I, and, and I don't normally say that. I'm normally not. As uh, we've said more than once, I'm kind of an all-killer, no-filler guy. Like, I wanted, you know, cover to cover, just fucking awesome. But this is one of the few times that, like... I think the interludes are fucking awesome, so um, I think it fits. This is seriously like one of my all-time favorite albums, and I'm not, you know, this metal at this time wasn't my thing, but it was such an eye-opening experience. Like the first time I saw Dig, the music for, video for it, and the the straight-up, you know, Ryan Martini is like the fucking devil in it, literally, and he's. God, that's such a fucking awesome video for back in the day. Like, everything's white, and they're just all in the war paint going fucking crazy. And it's great. But for me, my favorite deep cut on this, I, however you want to say it, minus one, negative one. Dude, listen to it on repeat. I'm going to listen to this whole album on repeat. Oh, I, I, I can't explain on how good this is. They got it. Mudvayne, unfortunately, has gotten such a bad stigma for where things went for them and how like quote unquote mainstream and new metal they became as time went on and we're going to talk about that here in a few minutes we absolutely but do yourself a favor and listen to LD50 because and pretend that was it for it, it, just one night well just <laughs> just don't listen to anything else and just listen to LD50 from them and you'll realize that this is this is a masterpiece as far as like your first album like your first like serious release is this are you fucking kidding me like how many bands hit the ground running like this with this good of, of a of first you know quote unquote first album Slipknot Slipknot is about the only other one that in this type of music that, that comes to mind well if we're talking about deep cuts internal primates forever is a ball buster of a song um, to what at some point they're actually revving an engine that sounds like a fucking demon. Yeah. That oh my god, that gets me every time. I was mowing the grass the other day, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, eternal primates!" You know, like I was like, "Holy shit!" Like this grass is gonna fucking die. And uh, I did. I had so much fun listening to LD Fifty cutting the grass. And uh, but no, like internal primates forever, uh, pharmacopia, and let's not forget about the the song that is the most different on the record, and that's prod. 
Let's talk about Prod for a minute. Um, Prod, probably the longest song on the record. Uh, and second longest. It has a very no third longest. Kind of a kind of a progressive build to it. It has a different feel than the rest of the record. And I think it really works. And I pay a lot of attention to Prod because I, I bought a Hot Topic vinyl uh, years ago that was just a single for Prod. And I think on the other, it was a 45. So, like, I think on the back, it just had, like, a, um, it just had, like, a live version of Dig on it or something. But, uh, but man, just listening to Prod on that vinyl record, I listened to that over and over and over again. And I just loved that song i love i love the use of chad's clean vocals and how he how we just build and build and build and get progressively heavier until the end and it just kind of goes a little bit crazy love that song and i think it's one of the more progressive songs on the record so let's talk about a little bit at least let's talk about the year 2000 to the year 2002 this is new metal territory this is the house that Corn built and Slipknot occupied and Mudvayne was visiting. And Mushroomhead was squatting in the basement. We still hadn't <laughs> really heard of Mushroomhead, unfortunately, in the mainstream. Fair and enough. I, and I bring it up because part of the problem I have with Mudvayne as a whole is when you look back at history, they are a band that got lucky. They got a lot of renown for being similar to other bands that existed at the time. So you've got a funky bass player. Well, it's new metal, so that's a thing. Your vocalist kind of sounds like Corey Taylor, and if you put makeup on him, he kind of looks like Corey Taylor. <laughs> and your guitarist, you know, he's got that makeup thing going on. He kind of looks like that guy from Cold Chamber. And you, you throw all this stuff together, and you say... You know, we think you guys could fit into this mold that we are currently trying to sell to the public. And a lot of comparisons that were made between specifically Mudvayne and Slipknot, I would parallel to Metallica and Megadeth in the late 80s, early 90s. None of that was sought out by Mudvayne. They will tell you in interviews and a couple behind-the-scenes documentaries that I have about the next record, The End of All Things to Come, that that was nothing that they ever asked for. That was never something that they were trying to define personas, etc. They were just trying to make music. But they were the band that got heard that sounded like the other bands that everybody liked. So somebody jumped on it and said, we can market this, we can make money with this. So they were almost against their own success in that way. So I don't really know where to stick them if you're looking at the portrait of metal music over time. Where do you stick Mudvayne? Because they don't really fit in with Slipknot. They don't really fit in with anybody. There are aspects of what they do on each album that remind me of something else I've heard but nothing that they do kind of makes them stand out on their own other than the fact that they all together create a sound that is very unique. Well I think they do have a unique sound and I think at this time in my life I was categorizing bands like Mudvayne as kind of what I would have called next level bands in terms of heaviness 
because you had your you know baseline new metal bands. You had your Corn, your Limp Biscuit, you know your um, you know System of a Down, you know bands like that, and they were you know they played kind of a more aggressive form of hard rock. But like, what do you do with bands like Slipknot and bands like Il Nino and bands like Soulfly, you know, that are playing new metal, like for sure. But it's very next level. It is, it is, it is at least a step or two heavier and more extreme and in your face than a lot of these more of the like hard rock new metal bands. So like at this time when I heard LD50, it was just another entry in the next level heavy stuff and did that set expectations for you personally it did um it really did especially when this record came out because i I had nothing but high hopes for the next record which came out and was called the end of all things to come spoiler alert it was the end it's not the well it's not the end it's not the end of mudvayne but it definitely fulfilled my expectations the only thing about it I could possibly criticize was this is when my ears started to change and I started to hear music from a production standpoint and I heard whatever the final decision was with the guitar tone just to this day still kind of drives me insane. But everything about this record is what we had with LD50 to me minus the arguably unnecessary interludes. I think you're the only person having that argument. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. No, I think that uh, I think that he's right. Yeah, in that this band had you know, this album had still the technicality of Mudvayne, and that's the most interesting thing about it is their technicality and their original sound that they'd established on LD50 is intact here. It is. But what you actually have is, I feel even better songwriting. There's a certain sense of. Oh, did I forget to mention that we stepped up in the songwriting? I didn't mean well, to forget that, we but stepped I guess up I did. In the, <laughs> we stepped up in the song craft, but let's let's talk about what expectations are for metal fans versus what expectations are for general music fans. With heavy music fans or technical music fans, LD50 is unparalleled in the sense that it is a heavily technical record that had a few accessible songs on it, but is enjoyable in its extremity. And it's impossibility for the average person to play. Say that's that's pretty, pretty. Uh, I'll go with that. That's a fair I like it. I like yeah. where you're going with this. Okay. Whereas an album like the end of all things to come, again, while still having all the same elements, you can tell it's the same band. However, there's a much more of an eff- effort to play songs and write interesting song ideas more so than the, hey guys, check out this really fucking cool thing I can do. You know, and I feel like there was a lot of that on LD50, but on the end of all things to come, I feel like the songs are a little bit more chorusy. They're a little bit more structured in that regard. It's not that LD50 was structured, but it was structured in the, in it was structured as far as what the band members could figure out what structure was yeah so like you know, ld go ahead i'm sorry whereas the end of all things to come is more of like structured in the what the common expectation for what a song should sound like yeah like so like ld50 is kind of like your artsy avant-garde kind of look at it metal 
And this is more of a, a complete cohesive thought going into it. But like you said, you can still tell it's the same band. This is still, you know, fantastic music. And I don't feel bad that I have more choruses. No, they don't. You're right. They don't make you. <laughs> that doesn't. The, that doesn't put me off in any way. You know. Well, well. Sometimes you know, with with metal metal people, yeah, that does put people off. But that it doesn't. I agree. It doesn't on this. They they do a very good job. They are um, they're just a well oiled machine. I mean, they they do a great job of making all of these crazy parts work together. Yeah, and there are still technical moments on. Uh, on the end of all things to come, uh, one of the songs that stands out to me is "Mercy uh, Severity." That song get, has a really a nice techy time change uh, progression on it, but like really makes you feel good when you're hearing it. <laughs> um, I like the patient mental a lot. Um, scrying. Uh, there's a lot more clean vocals on this record too, which is kind of to be expected, right? Considering the success of the first record. And I think a lot of the times when you hear an album like LD50, the record producer thinks, well, why don't we explore that a little bit more? Why don't we, why don't we see what else you can do with your voice? And uh, I think that was met with pretty good success on this record as well. Agreed. I mean, it's, I'm glad that uh, this was a, a very successful sophomore attempt. This album has not falling. This album has world so cold. I mean, come on. One of the best, most underrated metal ballads of all time. World, yeah. so it's cold. a good one. Yeah, I I like the um, you know the, well I guess the lead track on this you know the first thing the first single they put out was not falling, and it, I was really excited because I'm so used to as time goes on bands getting muted, you know once they get popular because they gotta you know they gotta find that radio hit. And not falling, yes, you know it's 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 catchy, but it's still got all those technical elements that makes you remember. Yes, this is a bunch of talented dudes playing some good music. Well, and I think I've mentioned this on previous episodes, uh, specifically about this record because I've been listening to this record a lot lately. And something that I that I kind of keep falling back on, n- no pun intended. Is that uh, <laughs> I think that for an album like LD50, you had to kind of be a certain kind of person in, in a certain mindset. You had to be Jeff <laughs> uh, to enjoy something like LD50. I think the I think the average radio listener could hear a song like Not Falling and be completely on board with it without having to have any context. Just that it, you know it's a heavier rock song, but it's you know. Uh, but it's 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 aggressive, but it's catchy and, and it's enjoyable. Whereas uh, you know the same person is not going to have the same reaction to a song like Dig. That's true. You and know? I would add to that that you could give this album to a modern metal fan, and they would hear it the same way that a thrash fan hears a record that was released in the early '80s. It's obviously thinner. It's obviously not as loud things aren't turned up as much as I'm used to hearing today. Oh, it doesn't sound like they are as murder. I know, right? Aww. But you would hear the same type of songs. And that's one of the reasons why I think this one should stand the test of time. Because, yeah, we got more choruses, and yeah, we have less electronics, but it, they're still fucking good. Yeah, I will say the other thing I really 
especially on not falling, it, it, the, the whole connotation with with Chad's vocals is is fucking awesome. I love the fact that he that he changes it up and it's not the same way every time kind of thing. Even if it's like his clean vocals, like he he gets again. Like I like that whole he does that staccato thing like fantastic, which is, that means that stop start with the vocals is so cool when he does it. His rhythmic delivery is yeah, it's killer. I mean, he I mean, I just remember like listening to his stuff back in the day and just like, man, I I mean, I want to sound just like him. He sounds fucking awesome. I mean, it, it, this is such a good good album. Well, yeah, and it really is and it like it really set my expectations for the band so high. I mean, th- even this one had deep cuts. As popular of a record as it is, um, songs like Scrying, really weird, different kind of song, but very Mudvayne. Um, oh, my God, dude, the title track, The End oh, of All Things to Come. That's that's actually mine. Oh, my so, God, yeah. and When the Whole Damn World is Dead, There's Your Fucking Peace. I mean, that just, oh, my God. like that. And that's something that I liked about this record a lot more than I liked about LD50, believe it or not, was that the lyrics were more consistent throughout this record was more about personal struggle it wasn't like hey guys i just read this really fucked up book about ed gain and uh let's write a song about it you know this was like this was like real personal struggle and the record is actually in a lot of ways pretty positive yeah i get that vibe from the music almost more so than the lyrics but um you know i i just think that he's a little bit more poetic on this one uh, on the patient mentally says I'm just like a clock upon the wall always moving but never going anywhere and just I mean just really kind of more insightful stuff that you can get behind a little bit easier I mean and sure there's you know weird lyrics about you know river of Kool-Aid and open up the floodgates and you know all this kind of weird shit that we've kind of after two albums gotten a little bit used to with Mudfane. like you're like oh there they go again they're just <laughs> they're just a bunch of crazy fuckers you know like but uh and we love them for it but this record definitely had more l- mature lyrics versus you know ld50 which had you know a song where he's just like you're like a punk gonna get in my face wanna be wanna be wanna be you know like it just doesn't really uh that stuff I find kind of lame. I didn't find it as lame when the record first came out, but listening to it again for this podcast, stuff like that comes off as extremely lame, and it's good to see that that stuff is reserved only for LD50 and did not carry on with the band throughout their career. Yeah, and like you said, uh, on more than one occasion, you know, you definitely play more attention to the lyrics. I... But Here we right. go again. No, no, I'm not trying to be. It, it's, I'm, I'm actually kind of discovering some of the stuff for the, you know, for the first time. It, is that's the type of listener I am. I, I get kind of my, my groove, and I just don't pay attention to it. I just kind of go with it. So, it's actually kind of refreshing to have like a different perspective. And I, I never would have picked that up on, on uh, LD50 because I'm such a big fucking fanboy about it. Like I love that album, and it's it's one of those things. It's hard for me to kind of look at it from a different perspective, but whenever somebody else has a voice that they're bringing to the table, I think it's it it it's good because I, that's something that I'll have to go back and look at because I love that album enough that I will genuinely you know sit down and, and read the lyrics on now, 
Right. Well, and there's brilliant moments on LD50 for sure, but there's also a whole bunch of like, you know, stupid shit, fucking bullshit, cocksucker, uh, moving through your life like a motherfucking hurricane, fistful of no- Novocaine. Bring it back, you know. Like that is. See, I don't even pay. But t- that's kind of awesome, but really kind of lame at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I guess that's all I'm getting at is that I get so like amped up and so involved. He could be saying, "Jeff, you're a fucking piece of shit," and I'd be like, "Yeah, it sounds oh, well, great." Don't listen, don't listen to the last track. <laughs> uh, so. but that's all I'm trying to say. I'm I, is that I just I start getting that groove and I just. Like, he could be saying whatever the fuck he wanted to, and I would have no clue. I will say, from a critical perspective, I do think that the album closers on LD50 as well as on The End of All Things to Come are pretty weak. Yeah, Key to Nothing is... Pretty shit. I mean, it's not shit, but it's not great. Comparatively speaking, right. It's nothing, really. It's just something that kind of happens. And I kind of felt the same way on The End of All... or I felt the same way on LD50 as well. That at the end, album did not end strongly, because I think it's just you guys have been going on and on for <laughs> so long that because uh, this is not really a short record either. No, it isn't. Mudvayne I- is like me; they drive the speed limit and arrive on time. They don't really exceed the speed limit and then slide into the fucking parking space like Ace Ventura, Jeff. Dude, you're just jealous that you can't do a Mario Kart power slide in a real vehicle. You're damn right, I am. <laughs> I can't. I used to get compared to uh, Jim Carrey back in the day, especially Fire Marshal Bill. <laughs> no, it's fifty-two minutes long. Yeah, it's, you're right. It's another long album. Do we need? Do we? Do we have to keep talking about Mudvayne from this point? Oh, all right, guys. It's uh, the speed round. You ready? Damn, we're gonna go back in time. You got the time machine? Uh, yeah. All I right, can you set that to fucker to, miles per hour? All right, can you set that fucker to two thousand and five? Hold on, me? hold on. Time circuits on. Okay. Uh. Engaged, Mr. Fusion is going. Uh, uh, flux capacitor is fluxing. Okay, all right, get hitting the gas. All right, 88 miles per hour, and we're in 2005. Oh, shit, dude, let's go to Best Buy. I want to see what's on the new releases. Today. Hang on, hang on, dude. There's this website called MySpace. Do you know anything about HTML, dude? Don't worry about that shit. We need to go to Best Buy. Oh, Best Buy. Oh, dude, it's new release Tuesday, isn't it? Yes, it yeah, is. Oh, on- my God. seven ninety nine. Jeff, I was on their email this? list. Oh, my God. It's lost and found. Holy fuck. Is this a new fucking mud, mud vein album? Okay, guys, hang on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy this. Dan, I know you don't have any money because you drove the car. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> All my money's in our, ga- in our gas tank. And Mr. Fusion, Joe. Okay, so I'm going to get us a couple, you know, Krispy Kreme dozens. Okay. Jeff's going to be in the back with the donuts. Oh, my God. Oh, All my right. God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to put this shit in. You ready? Okay, let's okay. listen. All right, you guys ready for this shit? Oh, my God, dude. I'm born, born ready. Whoa. Oh, shit. I mean, uh, it's fucking... Uh, uh, all right. All okay. right. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. fuck. Okay. These guys can't do anything wrong. I mean, I was kind of worried. It's been a couple of years, you know? But yeah. Uh, oh, shit, man. Dude, I just feel so fucking determined listening to this. I mean... Right? Holy shit. I wonder how much... They fucking did it again, wait. Joe. Oh, my God. I know, Whoa. right? This is like dig um, all over again. Is, it's dude, different. It's like dig part two. It's great. So I wonder, you know, is the rest of the album the same? It's kind of weird, though. I can't really hear the bass lines on this. It's probably yeah. not a big deal, though. Oh, well, I guess you're right. Yeah. Kind of hear it a little bit undetermined. A little tiny bit, but I, yeah. yeah, it's probably not a big deal, though. Yeah, I mean, this is just the yeah. opening song. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's, you know, the rest of it's going to, the rest of it's as good as this. I mean, I'm good with it. All right. So um, I guess let's tr- check out the next track, okay? Okay. I mean, you know, all right. 
We're kind of sound like Mudvayne at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. I'm digging this. Uh, you know, kind of got a little bit of internal primates sound to it. I like it. All right. So, um, you know, 30 minutes later. That song's 30 minutes long. Wait, what's going <laughs> on? Oh. Fu- what, what the, the fuck? fuck's this? Wait a minute. This is- it sounds like... It sounds like, you know how, like, sometimes you can you scream into, like, a cup, and then you put your hand over the cup to hold the scream in, you know, like, it's really quiet. You, you mean ever, cupping the mic? You guys ever do that? Like, put the cup, <laughs> scream into a cup? So I was, that's, like, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like there's, like... I stick my junk in a cup? It sounds like there's, like, this alternative rock band playing a song, but then, like, Mudvayne, you can hear Mudvayne screaming into a cup, like, on the other side of the room. What the fuck? What the fuck's going on now? Is that, an, is that an eight-year-old child screaming? That sounds like the guy from Disturbed. Turn off the radio, turn off the TV? That's great fucking advice. Dude, don't... I just bought your record, you fuck. I don't, don't give a shit, shit on Dave Draymond like that. Throwing it out the window. Throwing it out the window. Fuck you guys. I'm out. We're going back to 2018. All right, Dude, so... that was... Seriously. It just turned into shit. There's, you know, there's a couple of decent tracks... But the album does not. Oh my god! It's it does not keep my attention. It should be called fucking found and lost, right? Because like you turn on determined and you're like fucking feeling it. You're like up in your face. You're like I'm so fucking determined. Like you're like Mudvayne's back. We got another dig in our hands. Holy shit! This is even heavier than the end of all things to come. Is like I am fucking pumped yeah I'm you get like you point. get like all the way up to fucking happy it's like oh my god are you fucking happy now no no i'm not i was trying to like what the fuck even happened happy. here you know what's funny is no like, no i'm not fucking done okay Rosa. this is fucking like i can't okay i'm not trying to be that guy i have tried i have tried i have tried to be nice to be friendly about a lot of this stuff, okay? Chad, Chad's got a nice singing voice. What, the, whatever. Okay, I don't listen to bands like Mudvayne to hear this. There are plenty of other bands out there that can produce this radio-friendly alternative rock sound. They have basically taken all the good shit from LD50, all the good shit from the end of all things to come, and thrown it all away, and listened to some fucking third party that told them how their band needs to be successful, the changes that they need to make with their music to make them successful. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just go with it. I'm going to do what this guy says instead of do what my heart says. And that's how you end up with a record like Lost and Found. Whereas, yes, it's the same band, but like, I mean, Ryan Martini's fucking gone on this record. He's not really gone. He's in the band, but you have a hard time hearing him. He definitely blends in with the drums on this record. Yeah, it just it it bothers me because I think at this time, 2005, 2006, I'm starting to jump ship to metalcore. I'm starting to jump ship to heavier stuff. But I'm still okay with a band like Mudvayne if they're putting out shit like LD50. And yeah, maybe that makes me sound like the elitist asshole in the room that says like, oh, well, you just don't appreciate musical change, musical growth. However, simplifying what you already play is not the same thing as musical growth. Would you say it's the exact opposite? I would say it's the exact opposite because over time you get more complex. You can get more subtle. I'm not necessarily pissed off that the band isn't heavy like they were on LD50. If they wanted to play their own take on radio rock 
or our alternative rock or whatever, but it was really cool and interesting and complicated and heartfelt and had like some meaning behind it, I would still be all about that. I wouldn't have a problem with it. So again, I don't want anybody to think that I'm trying to say that it's not good because it's not consistently heavy. It's not what I'm trying to say. What I am trying to say is that this band was a very complicated, well-thought-out musical machine, and now they have taken parts, they have downgraded the machine, essentially. They've made it more simplistic. They've made it more easy for people to digest. You know, it's kind of like watering down your medicine a little bit. Your medicine's not going to go down as potently. You know, and so that doesn't really make it a better medicine, does it? I'm just depressed. I, I mean, when this came out, I was like, just like we were, you know, role playing earlier. Like, I was really fucking pumped. And it's one of the bigger letdowns that I think I've ever had in in metal. I think the only letdown, that, truthfully, that I would um, I could equate this to is what happened to In Flames. It, and that is because I. Why held, would you say my trigger word? I'm well because Jeff. I. It's because I held Mudvayne on a really high pedestal. I mean, I did. It was such an important band for me whenever there was you know there was a dearth of metal in my life whenever LD50 came out it was like okay yeah shit's real again I mean this is this is good stuff you know and then we go we fast forward five years and I'm like what the fuck happened I mean they're they're neutered they are they're not they're only the same band in in name only they are you know they don't play the same kind of music, which I'm not necessarily, you know, like I'm fine with people evolving, but you can tell that these guys deliberately tried to make it to the radio because some records to go for the easy buck. Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, I like money too. I love money. I mean, we all fucking do. We all need it in this day. Hey Jeff, can I have some money? No, fuck you. Get your own. Can I get some money? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, what if, I, what if I'm nicer and friendlier and more melodic? Then will you give me your money? Well, Please? apparently a lot of people do. My girlfriend will. <laughs> I, I, it worked for Under Oath, damn it. Oh, damn. oh don't fucking go there. Mm, Patreon oh, subscribers. Motherfucker. Incoming. You're going to get something about Under Oath soon. Oh, anyway. A pile of shit in my hand. Oh, my God. I uh, know, but Jeff, I feel you. They went for the fucking. They took the easy road. They they did, you know. Instead of like, it, and what's funny or depressing, whichever way you look at it, is time went on. That actually ended up biting them in the ass. You know, they they got the quick buck, but they didn't look at it from a long term perspective. As time went on, people lost interest in them because they were just another band playing the same kind of fucking music that everybody else was doing. What made them stand out was their first two major releases. That's what people wanted. I mean, in you know, you know, hindsight's 2020. I mean, I, I'm sure if, if you asked them if they had a chance to do it again and hell yeah, did not exist. I think they definitely would have gone a different route because they just fucked themselves something fierce. Um, um, so these. you did mention hell yeah, and yeah. I appreciate that. Um, I don't. Good news for the fans of Vinnie Paul, the guy that hadn't played drums since Dimebag Daryl had been killed on stage. Somehow, they got him to come out of retirement and play some metal. 
And you guys want me to stay in a good mood during this podcast. Hang on, dude. I'll, I'll get your tranquilizers in a second. <laughs> so Chad and Greg participated in the metal supergroup Hell Yeah. That was in 2007 when that first release came out. Do you know what else came out in 2007, Jeff? By the People, For the People by Mudvayne. I wish I could say this is not a bullshit release, which is why we're not going to talk about it. Hashtag not my Mudvayne. Because it was a compilation of B-sides and live performances that had interludes and demo versions of songs, and it was quite simply put, so this is the version of the song, we hope you like it. So this is the version of this, we hope you like it. So this is the version of this, we hope you like it. And I was a little pissed off. I honestly kind of felt like Mudvayne was done. Then 2008 came, and before we talk about the new game, Dan, I'm going to need you to take these tranquilizers. Uh It's not that I want you to be subtle. I just want it to kick in at the end of the review. I'm in my happy place. All right. Okay. 2008, the new game. (sighs) The fuck's even going on here? Um, Is this Mudvayne? It sounds like System of a Down. I mean, it says Mudvayne on the cover. Well, fish out of water, I think that's appropriate. What the hell's up with that pentagram anyway, though? Like, I mean, oh my god, look at these guys. Oh, we're edgy. Holy shit. Yeah, come on, guys. Well, I mean, you I'm know, not five. Chad's still singing. Screaming. I mean, his screaming sounds all right, but like, do you notice that it sounds like like really quiet? Have you noticed that on the past two records, like his screaming is like turned down and put in the background a little bit like oh guys it's okay we're not about that i mean we were once about that but we're not now it's kind of weird though right because like if people held musicians to the same standard that they hold politicians like none of these bands that got big would would have gotten big right like to the extent of like hey guys i'm really against this thing today but then like a week later, they're like, hey, you know what? It's okay. I'm actually all about this thing now. I've totally changed my stance. Or, and But then going back and being like, what are you talking about? I never changed my stance. I've always been this way. <laughs> it's the same fucking shit that it always was. And right? that's because, my review of this record. Because it's isn't the that same like, shit. Isn't that like, but I mean, isn't that kind of like in shit flames a little keyword. bit? Where like, they're putting this shit out and they're marketing it to their We're fans. We're just as heavy as we've always, always been. Always been. I, dude, I've seen, the, I've seen the stickers on these records. The new game, heaviest Mudvayne release ever. Try to find a bad fucking review for it. You're not going to find it. It doesn't exist. Everybody loved this shit. But, uh, you know, I, I, I described it the best I could in that, like, when I'm listening to the new game and I think, this isn't too bad. This is all right. The 16-year-old version of myself pops up on my shoulder and says, dude, go listen to Dig and then let me know. All right. And then I go back and I listen to Dig and I'm like, shit. Well, I'm going to give it to you this way. Uh, LA Times, one out of five. Rolling Stones, two out of five. You mean they told the truth for once? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Like, (laughs) This is the same publication that gave Saint Anger a 4 out of 5. That's to let you know. I'm just saying. At least Saint Anger was aggressive. So, (laughs) all right, (laughs) check this out. This is what Rolling Stone had to say about it. Mudvayne writes some decent guitar hooks. Check the title track. But their imagination is parched with most songs hewing to one formula. Riff, whimper, shriek, repeat. 
shit. Wow, I'm normally not a big Rolling Stones guy, but uh, I'm kind of d- digging on what they're having to say about this. I mean, they that's pretty, uh, it's sad that, you know, when what we talked about before on how imaginative they used to be. I don't know if it's, oh, dull boy, what a, the first, when this came out, I was like, okay, well, it starts out okay, and I'm like, all right, we're going to get somewhere with this, and it never goes anywhere. I was so bummed out. I don't like the super sterile production either. No. Like, nothing rings out. Nothing fucking chunks like it should. It doesn't even sound human. Yeah, I was kind of excited on Dullboy at first because I can kind of hear Ryan again, which was kind of weird. Kind of. Because I was just like, well, I thought he was done. Was it you that was saying... What were you saying? That somebody you were talking with somebody, and they thought that they thought that Ryan, Ryan actually left, left the, band. the band. Yeah, and I was like, no, he didn't leave the band. He actually has always been there, but you wouldn't know that, right? You would think that he left during Lost and Found. Yeah, I don't want to rather Found and Lost. We're kind of, at least I know I probably am kind of coming across as a Ryan fanboy, but that's what made that's because we are, and I am. It, but he's he was kind of like the wild card he he brought a really interesting dynamic that you don't normally get in metal and I was kind of excited about that and the fact when they muted it that it's like they they lost their identity remember what I said about LD50 the band meshes together very well and they're the only band other than Motorhead with Lemmy where you can forget which part is being played by the guitar and which part's being played by the bass. That is not true post End of All Things to Come. Very true. It kind of comes back on this one. But that's the only one. It's the only one post that that you actually kind of get an idea like, oh shit, Ryan's still in the band. It's the only track. And I'm like, God, this it's so depressing because it's... I- I don't know what happened, but, you know, Ryan plays jazz now, which is like uh, 12 dudes in a room all playing at the same time. It sounds like shit. I understand you're a lyric guy. (laughs) Yeah, because you should go listen to Ryan now. He's fucking fantastic. Okay. Still different style of music, but it's the same old Ryan. You're like, God, that guy is a fucking crazy ass genius. I just think that this is all really safe. It is safe. It's radio it's so friendly. Safe. It's so like they're looking can, for the okay, buck, dude. You can listen to your metal, but it's safe. It's not going to scare you. It's not going to be weird. It's just going to be, you know, you could bob your head to it slowly. That's one thing that really kills me about this record is that there's no fucking energy. Like even even left, even lost and found had a little bit of energy at the beginning. And I don't even necessarily mind like lack of energy because I like doom metal. The, no, but this isn't like doom metal. Doom right. metal was an intentional choice. Right. This sounds tired. Exactly. It sounds like we got to put some shit out because we want to make our bucks and we have a re- we have a uh, record deal that we have contractually we have to fulfill. Which is interesting considering this album and the next were essentially recorded in the same session. Yep. So, 2009, self-titled Mudvayne. So they banked it. Which is... They banked it ahead of time. I don't know who would do something like that. So, <laughs> so Jeff, historically, when a band releases a self-titled album, 
It's us. What does it mean? It's either the beginning or the end. Exactly. And this is definitely the end. But you know what's funny? Uh, even though this is like, what, technically B-sides, I guess. I, and I think Joe's kind of on the same page with me. I like Mudvayne, you know, the self-titled track or self-titled album more than the new game. And this is supposed to be the leftovers. And I'm like, no, this is more like, you know, it's because it's not as radio friendly. This is what the record producer didn't want to use. It, exactly. This is the LD50 amidst the lost and found. No. Yeah, no, no it's not no, that not good. Even not, not even close. I don't know how you can say so. Fuck that. I'm taking a break. But it's it's definitely it's better. It harkens back, but it's like a distant memory. I mean, it, it's not it's not the vivid recollection of what they were. It's definitely a distant memory. I think that's the best way for me to put it. And that's a good way to look at it, though. It's memories. This is what I remember Mudvayne sounding like. You think Dan could stomp any louder? But that's what I think it is. It's a memory of what Mudvayne used to sound like. Yes, It's a it memory is. of what the songs used to feel like. It's not perfect, but if you gave me this after the end of All Things to Come, my reaction to it would have been, it's a little slower, guys, but it still feels like Mudvayne. And I'd be anxious to hear the follow-up. And I'd be hoping that you'd be going fast again. I mean, there's guitar solos, which I honestly feel came from the time spent in Hell Yeah. Because they were never a solo band. Not really. And you don't have to play a guitar solo or not play a guitar solo. I think Kirk Hammett said it best in the Some Kind of Monster documentary. If you don't play a solo, that dates it to this period. So, when do you make a musical choice? When it makes sense to what you're doing. But I listened to this record, and the first thing I heard was Scream With Me. And I said, it's like World So Cold and Not Falling kind of shoved together. And I'm digging it for that same reason. It feels the same. You could tell, you know, you know this was obvious. I mean, this was put out because they were done with the band. There was no tour. There was no promotional material. I think they released like one or two singles. I think Scream With Me and I think one other single was it. Oh, God, you're still talking about this album. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's... A, we're kind of like reminiscing about what they were and how they ended was kind of depressing. Kind of depressing? Well, we were already depressed, so Romeo this is and Juliet is downright hilarious <laughs> in comparison <laughs> to how this fucking tragedy ends. Dude, I listened to all of it. Like, fucking all of it. All week. I have two. Well, mostly at the beginning. And it's, it's a great first two hours, let me tell you. <laughs> but... I think I would have been okay. But then I had to listen to three hours of bullshit, and that's that's where I draw the line. I, if you took Lost and Found of the New Game out and just went straight to Mudvayne, just like Joe but said, but you can't you take it out, can you? Jeff? I'm just saying it from a hypothetical discussion. I'm saying from a hypothetical because <laughs> you just said the first two hours are great. We have a time machine. If this was the third hour instead of the fifth hour, I think I would have been okay. I disagree. 
I just said, okay, I didn't say I was going to be happy about it. I said I would have been okay. So you're saying you're not happy now? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think turn because, off the radio yeah, is, is great advice. Yeah, because Lost and Found and the new game were just steaming piles of shit that were made for the radio. I mean, and people ate it up. Well, I think what Lost and Found sold like over a million copies. That's because people were in denial. They heard determined oh, and really God. seriously wanted it to be good. I bought it's Lost because and Found with no questions asked, without hearing a single song off of it. I don't see this because you and already maybe knew. That's, maybe that's my fault, though, because it was 2005 and I didn't have Spotify to pull the shit up and listen to it. Hey, was I working a playing trade by then? 2005? I want to say you were playing trade about closer to 2008, seven or eight. Oh, I've been... No, that was at the end of it. So, no, I don't think I was there yet. So I didn't have Spotify. Like I, I was an early adopter on Spotify. I was too. I mean, I, I get it. It's just that like this, these two records are, they bother me in the sense that like they were recorded at the same time. The band members aren't getting along. So when Chad Gray says, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I don't want to be here on Lost and Found. Like I believe that because that's, that's what I hear from that point on yeah you know like it's, it's it's a general dissatisfaction and you know the guys in Mudvayne don't hang out anymore that i know of and chad gray's even said that like if they were ever to get back together they'd have to lick a lot of wounds and it just seems like maybe they made these decisions and not everybody was on board with them <coughs> ryan martini you know, possibly. I don't know the. I don't know. I don't know. I'm. I'm assuming. I'm spitballing yeah, here. Yeah, I, I'm agreeing with you because you want to talk like if all the members that, you know, sound like they were neutered. I mean, it's Ryan. It, it's almost well, like even it's, Chad. Even Chad was neutered quite a bit too with yeah. his screams. The screams are yeah always seem like they're in the background. They're notably turned down, and I can't get over the fucking production. On the last three albums, they sound completely fucking flat, and it bothers me when you go back and listen to a record like LD50 that is very multi-textured and creates a certain atmosphere. Things punch like they're supposed to punch. They have a full dynamic range where you have loud parts, soft parts, quieter parts, moody, middle. Everything on the last three fucking records is just straight in the middle. It's safe, as you said. It's the same shit that I was complaining about about Volume 3 with Slipknot. It's like, I don't understand it. Maybe it was just a recording technique at the time, but like you can't put out heavy records that aren't actually heavy. If I put this in a decent sound system and it doesn't punch, that's like a big fucking problem for me. Okay. Yeah. For me personally, this is all my opinion, you know, but like. It's all about perception and marketing. And since you're talking about stuff that punches and like actual difference in volumes, uh, since I'm an audio nerd, I'm going to use an analogy that makes sense to me. You guys can cut this later if you feel like it. But Bose is marketing geniuses. But their audio equipment, for the most part, sucks ass. They're terrible. They don't... There's no... They produce bass without bass. You don't feel it. it you can tell that it's there because they're using a bass it's module. Generated. It's generated. It's uh, synthesized. Yeah, because they, they. that's the reason why they can't say there's subs in there because it's a bass module. See, Jeff, here's where you're wrong. 
bows were geniuses 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. Well, with like, their marketing. Do you know who's a genius now? Beats by Dre. Well, it's the same concept. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's all about perspective. And if you fool the masses, it doesn't really matter. And that's the reason why they sold a million copies of an album that we think is shit. Well, I don't think that the people, the million people that bought it thought that it was shit when, when they, they made the purchase. It. I think there's a certain amount of purchase justification that comes into it. But at the same time, I don't think that anybody really knew what they were getting into. I mean, you, you could listen to songs online, but not everybody had fast internet connections. We didn't have smartphones. We didn't have a way to check whether something stinks or not until we unwrap it in our house. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, there's no way to really know. So just because an album has a lot of big sales initially doesn't necessarily mean that it's because it was a successful record. The record labels are going to take it that way, and I think that's why we have a lot of this shit, because they're like, well... This record sold a million copies, so this formula is the one that we need to stick to. Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say, though, is that the type of band that they are, they didn't sell a million in the first month. No, I mean, it, was a, it was cumulative. And that, it, So the cat was out of the bag by the time they, they got even remotely close to the million sales, I guess is all I'm trying to say. So people already knew what the hell they were getting themselves into for the most part. It had already been played out on the radio. They'd already been touring and supporting it. They'd already been marketed the fuck out of it. So people should have been prepared. Do you think heavy music fans are more loyal to you? Like I would consider us to be one of the most loyalists of all. Well, unless you change, that's how it is with metal. They expect you to sound a certain way, and it didn't take long to figure out that this didn't sound the same. And I, I guess that's what I'm getting at. We're we're loyal till you piss us off, and then we fucking hate you. See, I'm not loyal. I'm I'm more of a I don't I wouldn't describe Mudvayne to a lot of people as a good band. And the reason for that is because their bad is more than the good. Right, but I guess all I'm trying to say is that. It wasn't us who bought it as a collective whole. I mean, sure, you were an early adopter. Yeah, I get that. But we're a small portion. Metal fans in general, we we probably equated to a tenth of what the of what was sold. It was the radio play dumb fucks that did the other nine hundred thousand. So, what you're saying, Dan, is that you're not a loyalist in 2018. No, not at all, Joe. Hey, 2003 you called, he said, listen to Zayo. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> so is that your final thoughts then, Dan, on Mudvayne? Oh, no. <laughs> my thought, my final thought is this. If you want to make pop music, fine. Make good pop music. Don't make pop music that sounds like everybody else. If you're going to push genres forward, push that genre forward. Be an equal opportunist. Fuck with people a little bit with your pop music. That's fine. Pop music isn't necessarily defined genre. It's just whatever's popular at the time. I think with a band like Mudvayne, I guess I would just question how a band that puts out albums like puts out songs like Dig or Death Blooms or Nothing to Gain or Pharmacopia, The End of All Things to Come, 
the patient mental hell even even world so cold those songs all had a very distinctive stamp a signature on them the singles that were released after that don't have that yeah it's chad grace singing hey is that that guy from mudvayne doing like some other band um no that's hell yeah but with Mudvayne, I think the problem was is that I think everybody just kind of stopped giving a fuck collectively over time, and it became more and more apparent as their career went on. I think they had a couple of good songs on Lost and Found, but not enough to redeem the album as a whole. I think that, you know, if this band wanted to sell out stadiums, they could have perfected their craft even further and put out albums that were similar to the end of all things to come but you know pushed even further you know push that songwriting further making it more complicated you know having having interesting dynamics and we all know that Mudvayne's capable of that but it's kind of like one of those things where I could build a really wonderful shed in my backyard and it'd be the greatest shed in the entire world and then everybody starts calling me and says hey man I want you to build my shed okay eventually as a human being I'm going to start to take shortcuts and I'm going to stop making the same quality shed. Nobody's going to get as good of a shed as the one that I built in my own backyard. And I think that's the issue with Mudvayne is that they kind of just stopped caring as much about the quality and just being like, here, here's your shed. It's got my stamp of approval on it. I'm going to go ahead and build this thing, put my name on it, and you're going to buy it. And hopefully you don't notice that it's not even half as good as what I did in my house. That's all I got. Jeff, what about you? Um, yeah, there's such a cock tease. They start out just unbelievable. Uh, I, I, I've made no secret that I am a huge proponent of LD50 and also the end of all things to come. I mean, those are, you know, that's mud vein. That's, that's our mud, mud vein. I feel that the mud vein that happened afterwards is a record producer's mud vein. And like uh, Dan said, they just kind of, you know, mailed it in and said, where's my fucking check? You know, leave me the fuck alone. I've made the music that, you know, the masses quote unquote want. And that's the problem. You know, if as soon as you, you know, you sell your integrity and you sell your quality, for a quick buck, uh, there's no turning back from that. And uh, I think it's really depressing because I think they're, they were such a dynamic force. You know, they did get, you know, in the, especially in the beginning, got, uh, you know, you know, I think unfairly pigeonholed into the, the new metal, especially with LD50. Uh, you know, they just, they were so much more. They're so dynamic. I think Danny hit it right earlier. They, they're straight up alternative metal in the beginning when they were really good. And they just got formulaic and, and just mailed it in. It's so depressing. I just can't I can't describe my my disgust and my depression with what might have been. I wish I wish I wish I wish they would have stuck to their guns and did what most of us metal fans truly enjoyed from them but you know they saw the dollar sign so i can't really blame them too much 
And that's <laughs> that's all I got. Kaching. Exactly. Mud- Mudvayne is a great idea. They're a band that the first time you hear them, you're going to wonder what's going on. Arguably, no matter which album you pick up first or the first single that you hear, you're going to hear something that makes you question what this band is about. And for the majority of the audience that has never heard Mudvayne, that's going to be the voice. You're going to get that this kind of sounds like Corey Taylor feeling and you're going to start listening to the band and I hope for your sake the first thing you hear is LD50 because I'm worried if what you hear is the new game you're never going to get to LD50 and that's really the thing that I want everyone to rest on which is LD50 is an album which needs to be consumed for the remainder of our lives but the band as a whole definitely went downhill and if you're a fan of hell yeah today great but the individual members do not stand on their own well enough for me to be interested it's something about these four individuals together in the room that makes the music sound the way it does. And if we ever got lucky enough to get that band back, happy, working together, that would be an exciting day. But you never say never. I will say it's been nine years. So, Dan, this has been the first episode of New Metal May. Oh, my God. I hope next week's better. So who are we talking about next week? Il Nino. Oh, I'm so fucking psyched. Come on, guys. Don't let me down. I cannot suffer through another week like this. <laughs> so what's your album of the week then, Dan? Well, in anticipation for the new Hope's Fall record coming out soon, I've been listening to Magnetic North by Hope's Fall. Jeff, what about you? Oh, misled by certainty. Ooh. Yeah. Cephalic carnage, baby. You better believe it. Man, I've been in some death grind mood. I tell you, man, Pig Destroyer fucked me up, man. I'm like going grindcore and deathcore. I mean, death grind. <laughs> like non- Cloncore. Dan's reaching for the Mr. Oh, Spell dude, I on fucking the love those guys. They're fucking hilarious, man. You, have you heard that shit? <laughs> yes, I, I have. I fucking love it, man. <laughs> Cloncore was kind of a revelation to me. Oh, God, I had so much fun watching that. Where's this been my whole life? Exactly. <laughs> so I'm doing my best to cleanse my new metal palette. So my album of the week is going to be Horoscope by Overkill. Nice. That's a good one, too. Yeah, Found is. that by accident way back when because I was trying to find a copy of the song Frankenstein by the Edgar Winter Group. Totally found Overkill by mistake bought that record and then continued the search because that is a damn good record i would like to thank our patrons who have supported us financially including dave cassidy and jeffrey santos without you guys we couldn't do this and we really appreciate your support let us know how you feel about those album reviews that have been coming out for the past few weeks and on that note this has been episode 63 of discography discussion thank you for listening you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. 
Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. One dollar gets you into that exclusive album review feed. Give me your money. 